Hey guys, it is known. Welcome to episode 11 of Yumi Empathy. Thanks for being here. I'm so happy you're here. I love hearing from you guys via Twitter at Yumi Empathy or Instagram at Yumi Empathy or via the Facebook community, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Yumi Empathy. I just appreciate your feedback and, and anytime you want to comment on you know, a particular episode or, or, you know, someone's story, you know, relates to you or you're affected by it in some way. I, I really love to hear that. It's, it's, it's why I do the show. So feel free to reach out either via social media, or you can just reach out to me um, via email at yumiempathy at gmail.com. Okay. So today's show is with Tony time for Another round of Tony time. We are chatting about mindfulness and meditation and yoga. He talks to me about how he's starting to use more body-based uh, sort of methodologies in his practice. And uh, he also makes fun of me for flubbing the opening. So enjoy that. <laughs> and um, the disclaimer for the show, as I always say, is that... The Yumi Empathy Podcast is for informational and or entertainment purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I am a simple, feely human, and I am not a professional. So that's the disclaimer. So I'm not sued. That's fun. I love you guys. Thanks for being part of the Yumi Empathy community. Thanks for being a Yumi Empathy hero. And um, if you haven't... If you haven't subscribed to the show or rated and reviewed the show in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please do. It's it's a it's a little free, simple way to support the show, and I read every review. I'm sort of obsessed with it, so um, feed by obsession. Uh, anyways, thanks, thanks, guys, and enjoy the episode. Episode 11 of You, Me, Empathy, a podcast about exploring the struggles we face in our day-to-day lives as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming and sometimes frustrating pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our neuroses, uh, about our neuroses, our mental illnesses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic. And to share that dialogue with others to inspire conversation in, in, in <laughs> to inspire to inspire conversation and insight so we can hand in hand break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi empathy is a safe space, a conversation between friends 
a place to inspire empathy and beauty in all of us. Today in episode 11, I am here for another round of Tony time on the topic of meditation, yoga, and mindfulness as a follow-up to episode 10 with uh, my guest, Jordana Reem. Hey, Tony time. Hello. I was just wondering, first, are you going to keep that intro in there with the slips and everything? Because I loved it. Well, it's so human. God damn it. Now I have to because you called it out. I'm so happy I did. Oh. That made me so happy. Thank you. Oh, it's sure. Just such a human moment. Yeah, no problem. I'm here for you, Tony. I appreciate that. Yeah. By uh, the way, is that memorized or are you reading something? I'm, re- I'm reading something. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, that'd really be amazingly impressive. Right? Right? Maybe eventually I could do it. But, I, I, um, I've maybe thought by episode 11 you had it down. No, maybe by 111. 111. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll see if we get that far. That's a goal. Yes, it is. So, yeah. uh, for the listeners, if uh, if you if it's your first time listening, uh, I want to introduce my friend Tony. Why don't you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, sir? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Tony Romeike, and professionally, I go by Anthony Romeike, as my board would recognize me here in the state of California. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist with the Behord of the b- b- Board. The Behord? The Behord. With the Board of Behavioral Sciences here in California. And um, my, my license number is uh, LMFT. 47805. And again, yeah, I'm a practicing marriage and family therapist here in the beautiful, wonderful state of California. Awesome. And uh, these episodes, these Tony Time episodes, uh, as you guys know, maybe maybe the new the newbies don't know. Hopefully there's millions of newbies listening. But uh, for you guys, uh, these come in between the regular... Uh, <laughs> The regular um, long-form interviews. This is the irregular zone <laughs> with Tony. And I, I'm trying not to feel less than right now. <laughs> these are the filler episodes. These, no, these are the uh, me chatting with you know someone who works in the field and, and, and right. where we kind of break down more the topics from the previous week in more depth from sort of his perspective as a licensed uh, therapist. So let's talk. Let's chat. About mindfulness. Yes. So, first, what what is mindfulness? Can we can we describe it? Define yeah, it? absolutely. Um, yeah, mind, mindfulness is is certainly not a new practice by any means, but it might be new to a lot of people here um, who are maybe just learning about it or hearing about it. But it's it's a very ancient practice in a sense of of really being self aware and and being very much in the present. Um, so the, the practice, you know, certainly has its roots. You know, when we think of meditative practices, we think of maybe yoga based practices and we think of, you know, Eastern philosophy and related practices, it all really kind of ties back into that. Um, but we've, we've certainly in, in recent years adapted it here in the Western culture and particularly in, in therapy and psychotherapy practices to really fully have people experience a more integrative experience than, than what they might have been pr- previously experiencing from traditional psychotherapy or what we consider just talk therapy. And um, I'm loving it. I mean, I'm absolutely loving mindfulness, learning about mindfulness. It's something that's pretty new for me as well in, in my research and study, or study, I should say. And, um, you know, 
others, I believe, who are, who are looking into this more seriously as researchers, like Bessel van de Kook that we've talked about, are getting great results, you know, in, in understanding the, the, you know, the helpfulness of mindful-based type of practices. And and I, I loved the episode with Jordana. I mean, I, th- I thought it was such a great episode, and I thought she had such wonderful, practical you know, real life experiences to share with regards to her journey and now her practices. So, um, that was, it was so, so interesting for me and so informative. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, mindfulness, uh, has, as you pointed to a long history and, and one that comes from, you know, has a long history in Hinduism and Buddhism and, and, uh, you know, some other religions. Um, for me, it's something that's new to me as well. Yeah. Like I, I'm trying you know, really the last couple of years trying to be more present, um, more sort of, I, I guess, less focused on the past and the future, all these things that we don't have control over. That make um, us anxious. That makes, that makes, yeah, that make us anxious that, you know, uh, can frustrate, that can just cause emotional turmoil. Right. Um, so what, like, what kinds of things are you learning as you're, you know, as you're sort of looking into mindfulness and, and, and meditation and these other types of practices, uh, what are you learning? And then are you at the stage yet where you're sort of prescribing some of this stuff to your clients, talking about it with them? I I would say that's kind of just starting to happen now. Okay. um, Where I think I'm really starting now to look at this as as kind of an adjunct add-on to to what we do in the room regarding psychotherapy and talk therapy, talk-based therapy. But also, you know, there are some elements, I think, that clinicians can bring into the room with their clients if properly trained. And and some of that is, you know, kind of exactly what we're talking about, kind of mindful-based type of practices. And I think we're, you know, kind of maybe within psychotherapy as a whole, as a practice, I think where this kind of found its way in into the process, so to speak, is really through trauma work. And people who were practicing trauma work really started seeing the, the benefits of, you know, yoga-based type of practices, meditative-based practices. And, and again, a lot of this came from, from people like Peter Levine. Um, an, an absolute, you know, uh, amazing researcher. Waking and, the and Tiger. Writer. Exactly, yeah. Waking the Tiger. And uh, I, in fact, I picked up another book of his today, uh, Trauma and Memory, which I'm really excited to read. And and Bessel van der Kolk, you know, who we refer to quite a bit on this on this program. You know, these types of people have really led the way in understanding the way trauma is held in the body. And, and how do we reach that person then? You know, how do we really reach that client? Because, you know, we we tend to focus on maybe more cognitive aspects of therapy when we think about, you know, maybe the talk therapy uh, model in the talk therapy process. But what they're bringing in is is this understanding of of what's happening in a person's body or or what's happening to them in a way that they're not connected. So, and one of the things we understand about trauma is is you know trauma is so overwhelming to the person and so threatening to their sense of self when it's occurring that there's usually this disconnection that occurs or disassociation that that happens. And and once that process is, has occurred, you know, we also have, you know, this, this kind of brain-based process for self-preservation that kicks in. And we tend to not – or we, we could potentially live a far more restricted life as a result of that. And, and one of the restrictions that we may experience is not being connected with ourselves. 
And so, again, you know, these types of researchers have, have really brought to the forefront this understanding that, that a lot of people are very disconnected from themselves. And, and a lot of them are, you know, somewhat, you know, like we've talked before, either living with anxiety or maybe they're living with, with more of a mood disorder or, you know, something maybe more related to depression or there's a hyper arousal that, that's happening or, the, or maybe there's, you know, a hypo arousal that's happening, you know, somebody who's too overregulated, somebody who's too underregulated. So I think one of the benefits to, to what we're learning about yoga and mindfulness is, is how to get people connected back to themselves where they've mm. been so disconnected. Hmm. Yeah. So you experience something, whether it's severe anxiety right. or depression or trauma. Sure. And naturally you want to run away from it, like in your mind. Well, there's you know, a survival element. There's a survival aspect. Right. You want to disconnect. You want to push it down. I right. know if I've experienced that. And so, um, you know, we can't blame ourselves for that reaction. That's not total at all. This is an but, absolute, you know, autonomic, automatic yeah. response. This is not something people should feel, you know, and we talk a lot about this, not feel shame about yeah. and, and not self-blame. This is survival. I mean, yeah. you went into survival mode, whatever it was that you survived, whether it was something, and we've touched on some of this during the PT. PTSD episode, but, you know, whether you've, you've come back from war and experienced the horrible atrocities of that, mm -hmm. or whether it's been growing up in an environment in which where maybe there was anger and rage and, you know, maybe you were, unfortunately the, you know, you were, um, the victim of, I'm trying to think of the right words there, but truly victim of physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, neglect. And you needed to survive. And maybe part of that survival required some form of disconnection. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I've said many times, we're survival-based beings. I mean, the, the more I do this work, the more I read, the more I sit with, you know, hours and hours of clients, the, actually the more amazed I am, I mean, truly amazed that what people are surviving and, and how they're accommodating or, and adjusting and learning to survive. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly completely amazed at the human body and the spirit, the human spirit and, and what we've overcome. Um, it's just, you know, just, it's mind boggling. So, so we're survival creatures. I mean, we, we learn to adapt and to survive under the worst of circumstances. And, you know, some of which we know from Holocaust survivors, you yeah. know, and, and Victor Frankl's book, The Search for Meaning is, is just one of the most amazing books ever. Um, so, you know, it's just, we're survival beings and, and whatever it requires for us to do that, we do. So I feel like yoga mindfulness is really a practice to bring us back to self-connection and self-awareness. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I'm glad you said we're survival beings because that, that um, for me, that gives me hope, right? Because yeah. you're right. Like I, I say it often out loud and to myself that, um, that I'm resilient, that I right. can, I can experience a thing and I will get through it. Right. Right. And there are things that I've gone through and, and people in my life that have gone through some just, I mean, you know, you think of, uh, um, Bernadette. Yeah. And, uh, from, uh, episode five, like she had experienced, uh, quite a bit of trauma and, and, and now she's doing the work to connect back with herself right. and, and it's so courageous and, and amazing. Yeah. And so the listeners, like for you, like if you're experiencing something, you know, it's difficult, uh, but 
we're survival beings, as yes. Tony says. Like we can we can get through it, and there is some relief and help in things like meditation, mindfulness, and and that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I like to think of people, you know, as as you know this this concept of, of truly survival based beings, and and knowing that we have that within us, right? Knowing that there is that resilience. Um, there were some studies, and I talked about this on this past Tuesday night, so it's still a little fresh in my mind. And um, But there was a study done, I believe it was 1995 through 1997, and it was a joint venture between Kaiser Permanente and the Centers for Disease Control. And they did a, a two-year, you know, I guess we'd call that a longitudinal study, where they were actually able to, you know, interview, survey their HMO-based clients and also perform physical exams. And they were able to make the comparison between early childhood experiences, you know, um, you know, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect, um, uh, problems that were happening in the household. And they developed the study and it was called the ACE study. And it's, it's all on the internet. If people want to look this up, you can Google ACE studies. And it was the Ad- adverse childhood experiences study. Mm. And it's it's amazing uh, the data that they were able to produce from this study, and they were able to basically look back at adverse childhood experiences and kind of the the, the predictive qualities of, of what that could potentially mean for us in the future, sure. whether that meant you know substance abuse, whether that meant depression, anxiety, financial problems, um, job based work performance issues, and kind of look at the predictive information that they received. And but one of the qualities that they they were kind of you know gathering from this process was the concept of resilience, and the concept of of that you know that being such a key concept for people's survival and the fact that, you know, obviously the greater the resilience, the, the greater somebody's going to come through a process. But but the fact that we have resilience. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. No, that, that gives me hope. Um, so what are, you know, going back to the mindfulness and, and meditation and yoga and these practices, what are, what are some of the first steps someone can do to connect with their body? Mm. To con- to to, they're disconnected. They're they've experienced, you know, right. something, and and they want to be more connected to their body because it's yeah. a, as we're pointing to, it's 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 a healthier frame of mind. It's a healthier perspective. Right. Um. They're more attuned to their physical bodies. Yeah. You know. Um. Right. Their feelings, emotions. Like, what are what are some of like the the first like building blocks? First building blocks. Yeah. You know, I think the first building block that I think of when I when you know about that question and and that's so easy to do um, is breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just breathing. Yeah, and you know that's something I, I will and, and like to do with clients if I see that they've come in and they're really hyper aroused. You just breathe straight into their mouths. Just well, yeah, you know, just. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, I've had garlic for dinner. I will breathe into your mouth yeah, now. Give yeah. me $300. <laughs> Thanks for coming. So, Sorry. Um, yeah, that's what known would do. But it, <laughs> in my practice, I, I will not. But but no, just get the client to stop. And, and first of all, sometimes it's simply that, you know, I just have them actually just stop. And I'll, I might even ask a very simple question like, you know, what are you aware of right now that's happening in your body? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it, what's so amazing about that approach is is the you know it's it's like a freight train that's just going a hundred miles an hour and you ask that question and, and there's almost an instant stop yeah that occurs because no one 
You never think of that question. You don't think of that question. No. Uh-uh. It's, it's not a question we normally think about. No. Especially if we're in survival mode. Yeah. It's just how do I get from this to the next moment? And actually stopping and pausing and thinking about that question is is so helpful. And and usually at that point too, if you know if needed, there's you know like well let's let's you know let's have you stop and let's have you fo- have some focused breathing. Yeah. You know, and then let's actually pay some attention to breathing. And, you know, and, and do those purposeful, intentional, you know, deep, you know, you know, diaphragm based kind of breathing instead of these, you know, I, what I tend to see quite a bit is, you know, people doing these very short, shallow breaths. And so stopping and paying attention to their body and recognizing their breathing patterns and recognizing that they're taking very short, choppy breaths and that they're really not pausing to take in these deep breaths. Um, again, so simple, right? I mean, you know, this is something I like to practice throughout the day myself when I remember to, and that's not nearly often enough. And to even just kind of re-regulate myself, you know, just to kind of slow down. I can I can be as caught up as the next person on, you know, with this process of just thinking about what do I have the next moment? What do I have the next hour? Therapy itself has actually, for me, been an amazing practice uh, uh, learning how to be in the moment as I do that, you know, mm. with the clients that I'm sitting with. I don't want to be thinking about a shopping list or, you know, or what's, and, and a lot of times I can't. And, and, yeah. and, you know, for good reason that I want to be as present as possible with every client that I'm sitting with and in the moment. And if I'm in the moment with them, I feel like I'm so much more, um, intentional, you know, and I'm such a better listener. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and we're talking about, you know, kind of body alignment to body alignment in terms of what I might be aware of what's happening inside of myself that might be important in terms of what's happening inside of the, the session. And so if I'm more self-aware, regulated, calm, focused, then I'm going to be a lot more aware of what's happening in the client. Um, if I'm even just more attuned to what's happening inside of myself and, you know, being able to bring that up. So, so breathing, Right off the bat is is st- asking that question, slowing somebody down to be self-aware in the moment, having them do potentially some focused breathing, and even some centering techniques, you know, working with people on a very basic, you know, guided imagery type of process where, you know, just getting their feet firmly planted on the ground, you know, and this is really helpful for people who are very, you know, kind of hyper aroused, um, where they may be experiencing exceptional exceptional anxiety or what we or dysregulation or or what we may even consider disassociation where there's a strong disconnection with self that they feel like they might be experiencing you know getting them kind of back to to um a place of of centered and and groundedness and and that's an important part of of psychotherapy at various times when needed how do you how do you center them like what is you said imagery like what is how, well what does that yeah i mean like? it's 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 kind of what i was talking about which is you know focused breathing okay it's, it's talking about getting your you know getting them very um physically aware you know of their of their body posture getting them aware of that their feet are firmly planted on the ground and recognizing the the support of the couch, you know, and recognizing mm. the support they're experiencing in their trunk, in their back, working, you know, all the way up to the shoulders and recognizing what's happening in their shoulders, what's recognizing. Did you say in their trunk? Yeah. You know, midsection. Okay. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Not their butt. <laughs> no, no. Just, you know, midsection, what's kind of happening in their core section. Got it. Got it. And, you know, all the way up into shoulders and, and feeling again, the support of the couch, feeling the support yeah. of the ground, feeling... Um, the support, you know, uh, that their arms are firmly, comfortably rested, you know, maybe on the knees and, and getting them again, you know, very much in this place of, of calm, centered, 
breathing, you know, usually moving them out of very shallow breath, you know, almost, you know, moving them away from what could be ventilation, you know, hyperventilation, mm. moving them back to a very calm type of state. So, you know, so again, as a marriage and family therapist, you know, what I'm always working on is, is relational based things. And, you know, so whether that's an intrapsychic process that's happening within them and the world around them, and certainly what's happening interpersonally between me and the client and, and what they take out of that room interpersonally in their relationships. And, and I think self-awareness is, you know, as Jordana had talked about and, and, and others have talked about, uh, Bessel talks about quite a bit is, you know, this isn't a compartmentalized part of ourselves. I mean, you know, we take it into all relationships, so. Whether that's your marriage, whether that's in your friendships, in your family. Yeah, you know, I um, I think I mentioned in the last episode that I I've been doing yoga. Yeah, and it's it is very grounding for me, it, and it's it forces myself to be present yes. and breathe deeply. And she, the instructor, is very good. She she always reminds us to uh, pay attention to how we're sitting, pay attention to how we're standing and, yeah. and our feet, yeah. how they feel and how they're planted, you know, on the ground. And um, whenever I do yoga, like the next day or two, I, I'm more mindful of those things. And it's just, it's just a brighter life experience. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, when I do it, I feel exactly the same thing. If a client's done it, they've reported back to me a lot of those similar type of, you know, results. And those are anecdotal. I mean, yeah, they're not yeah, research-based, yeah. but just anecdotal. And, you know, they're kind of giving me the same feedback. And I loved what Jordana had said when she was talking about just some of her early practices of yoga and recognizing, you know, yoga. And I think she was mentioning meditation as well. And what she noticed, you know, in the way that she was because of the the benefits that she was experiencing within herself, noticing the benefits that she started to have in her other relationships. And I think at this point she was talking about her relationship with her kind of her team, team members, coworkers, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. and, you know, she was starting to think about, you know, um, her interactions with them. And she was starting to think about, well, what motivates them? And, and, you know, thinking it's almost like she had so much more to give. It was a result of this really healthy way that she was giving to herself and, you know, I love that. I mean, that's certainly something I know I want in my life. Well, it makes sense, right? Because when we're not um, focused on the present, yeah, we're thinking of the past, we're thinking of the future, we're thinking about all these things, we're thinking about shopping lists, you said. Right. And all of our mental energy is like going toward all these things that right. don't mean anything. And none of which is in the present. None of which is in the present. And none of then, which we can control any longer. None of which, exactly. And then, as Jordana pointed out, then, or as you just correctly right. like surmised, uh, then you don't have that energy to give toward no. the people in your life that you love. Nope. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, and I think so much energy gets expended there. You yeah. know, I mean, I, I really feel like most of us spend most of our time either in the past or in the future. Yeah. And we don't spend it in the present. You know, we're, we're always focusing on tomorrow. We're always focusing on what's happening at, you know, work this upcoming week and retirement and, you know, or what I've done in the past, you know, like spending too much time in the past, which, you know, again, I'm, I'm actually a proponent of looking back in our past, you know, but, but really more, f you know, from, from an understanding insight based point of view, not dwelling or being stuck in and, you know, where, you know, we're, maybe going through very negative schemas, you know, from a cognitive, you know, belief, uh, core belief place of a very negative self, you know, perspectives and, 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 and ruminating and dwelling on, on all these old, 
um, either behaviors or regrets or, you know, but again, just not allowing us to be currently present in the moment and connected. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of what I feel like in that episode, listening to you and Jordana talk about everything, I think a word that was never said, but I felt like implied so much in, in, in your conversations with her was this idea of connection, you know, mm-hmm. so we're talking about self-connection and we're talking about connection with others. And if we're not connected with self, I mean, it's so difficult to be connected with another person and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, appropriately connected, right? You know, I mean, attuned, mm-hmm. you know, correctly in t- attuned to another person and what they're going through. And, you know, for me, that's, you know, such a necessity of life and such a quality of life type of perspective. So if we're, yeah, if we're too much in the past, we're too much in the future and we're losing all these present connection, which is really the only connection we have, right? Is what's happening in the present. Yep. So, so breathing, centering our bodies, yeah. are there other things that, that, well, I, you know, I think just, you know, moving outside of, of certainly any kind of work that I do, but, but things that, you know, people do do and seem to be getting great benefit from is yoga, like we talked about, Yeah, which there's so many various practices of, of yoga. I, I wouldn't even start to, um, know even which to, you know, recommend, um, since this is something that's so still new for me. And even when I look at a form, you know, at, at a yoga place and I'm looking at the different you <laughs> yeah. know, options, I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't have a yeah. clue. Um, so I'm still having to learn descriptions and everything, I do, but I do what's called like a, it's core yoga. So they're focusing on like core, core. work, you know, but um, it's still very like, you know, she's using all the yoga words and it's very like, right. you know, <laughs> very namaste. Namaste, yes. uh, Shavasana, yes. you know, all that stuff, right. you know, which I like. I yeah. like a lot. Yeah, it's fun. No, it's so, it's fascinating. I think there's yeah. so much great things there to learn about the practice of yoga. Definitely. And, um, you know, even, you know, I think you two were talking about and you were kind of sharing your mindful based, you know, meditative based kind of new practices. And, and she was talking about, you know, the just redundancy, you know, the necessity and the consistency and the redundancy and how that builds and grows. Yes, and yeah. I love that too. I mean, because sometimes I'll be like, well, I don't have time for this. Well, that's obviously, that's not true. I, I only need to, I can take a minute or two or five yeah. minutes and have a tremendous benefit. Um, and one of the things, gosh, that I just, I loved what she said, a couple of things. One was when she was taught, you two were talking about um, that this isn't not having thoughts. You know, I think a lot of us, I have, you know, in the past, I've thought like it meant completely clearing my mind. Right, right. Yeah. And, and actually recognize, because, and I wasn't able to do that, so I thought I was doing it horribly. <laughs> but, but actually learning to pay attention. I mean, the, the process yes. seems to entail actually learning to pay attention to the thoughts where you get to be, I think she said observer, which I loved, but, you know, I feel like it's this observer participant uh-huh. kind of experience of knowing what my thoughts are, because that, that's, again, that, that connection that I'm, wanting to see for, for clients and, and, and even for myself is, is greater self-connection. So what are my thoughts? And I think we're running through this crazy harried life, not paying attention to ourselves and we're paying attention too much to everything outside of ourselves that's happening around us. And I mean, at least for us here in, in Orange County, I feel like we're, you know, we're flooded, constantly flooded with, you know, um, stimuli. Yeah, I mean, there's so much stimuli coming at us at, you know, every angle possible. Yeah. And um, and I can get, you know, caught up with television and, and other forms of, of stimuli that um, I would probably much rather not and just actually sit with myself and my own thoughts. So, that's something for me that I'm going to continue to work on. So, learning to take those couple minutes 
And you said, or she said, this idea that watching a movie of yourself, like being able to, to be the observer yeah, of your movie, yeah, yeah. witness, to be yeah. the witness of she your life. That. Love that. I mean, I, I just, I thought that was so cool and what a great concept. And I'm certainly going to, you know, implement that in, in my life and, and um, yeah. Yeah. So these are the big things I'm thinking about, you know, yeah. mindfulness, meditative. And she mentioned kind of a spiritual aspect to this. And I agree, you know, regardless of what somebody's spiritual beliefs are, but just, I think there's such a strong spiritual component in a, in such a healthy way related to, to spiritual growth, self-care and, um, and spiritual connection that, that we can completely miss. I mean, I mm -hmm, think we can mm -hmm. just completely disconnect from and, and not be fed in a way I think that really feeds our soul. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we can feed ourselves, you know, in a lot of unhealthy ways and, um, but not still be fed. Yeah. We can yeah, eat yeah. a lot of junk food and not re <laughs> really eat anything healthy. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. I, I think a couple of things I wanted to highlight that you said is one that, um, you know, mindfulness and meditation, specifically like meditation, you don't need to, um, it doesn't need to take a ton of your time, right? Right. It, you could do, do five minutes and yeah. it, it is like the, those five minutes are, uh, you know, a focused, you know, you're focusing on your breathing, you're focusing on uh, your thoughts and as Jordana- happening in your body. What's happening in your body. Right. You're just being in the moment. And as Jordana said, if your thoughts wander, you just- gently sort of kindly push them back on the path and right. you're not being, you know, hard on yourself. Yep. I started trying to do more meditation. I'm going to continue trying to do more. And the other point is like doing so, um, it'll get easier and easier as you do it right. because it becomes a practice. a practice. Yeah. It becomes yeah. a practice. Right. Right. Like anything, right. You know, going to the gym or study or, you know, whatever it is that, that we are intentionally consistently putting our focus too, it tends to get easier, right? I mean, you know, yeah. and it tends to become more organic and natural. And it seems as if, you know, from her experiences, I mean, it just becomes such an integrative part then of your, of your being. Mm -hmm. And and that is something I desire. I mean, you know, just it being come, becoming such a normal organic part of my life that it's just a, you know, a fully integrated experience, you know, that, that I participate in and, you know, what, what an amazing, Yeah you know, I think, uh, path as she mentioned to, to practice and be on. So, yeah. So, um, to use a right now, personal anecdote to this, I am currently, um, today is Saturday and tomorrow as we record this Sunday, I will be recording an episode with Paul Gilmartin. That's right. I was going to ask you about that. And I'm anxious about it. Right. I have, I'm like thinking about it Yeah, and, um, I keep catching myself, like the more I think about it, like that's not going to help me. That's, that's right. I, I can do a little research. I can take some notes and I can be as present as I can. Cause one of the things, I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the episodes, but one of the things I'm finding out as I'm doing this show is that, um, the less I focus on my notes, the better the conversation is because I can be more present and right. actively listening and engaged with my guest. Right. And, and those conversations are always better. Yeah. You know, so like, that's like a no brainer reminder to myself to say, Hey, 
Focus on the present. Yeah. You'll be fine. You have the communication skills to work through it. And, and the conversations are always better. They go in like more yeah. fun places and it's less structured and less sort of just like, you know, you have like tons of scaffolding. You don't want right. scaffolding, right? you know? Um, so no. that's just like a real life sort of reminder to myself that like, hey, be in the moment. You're going to be fine. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so. no, I, I, yeah, I so agree with you. I know I've done that, you know, probably way too many times than I would have liked to, whether that was in a speech setting, you know, some form mm. of presentation or maybe an interview setting where, yeah, I have all my notes and the things. And, and what I tend to find is I'm completely missing what's happening with the person. Yeah. Whether yeah. that's an audience or whether that's just somebody that I have in front of me, like I said, in a, maybe in an interview based format that I'm so focused on, you know, what it is that I want to say or what it is that, you know, I want to make sure that I'm getting to that I'm, I'm way too focused on that and I'm not being able to really be fully attuned to the person in front of me or the audience in front of me. Right. I've learned and continue to learn, you know, and uh, to just, yeah, set those things aside and try and go with what's happening in the moment, you know, whether that's what I'm, what I'm kind of picking up from the audience that I'm talking in front of. Whether that's a group of students or whether that's, uh, you know, an interview format, whether it's you and I sitting with each other, it's, yeah, just setting that aside and just trying to be just empathically attuned to the person I'm sitting with and where are we going and, and what feels, you know, interesting to pursue. And so, yeah, love it. And it's not, you know, it's, uh, it's not easy. It no. takes time Practice. and like I struggle with it. We all do. Um, uh, but Again, we don't have control of what's going to happen tomorrow. So mm-hmm. focus on what focus on the now and what you can control and and, and experience right. because you looking ahead and looking back um you're robbing yourself of the rich nuanced yeah. experience of the life and the people that you interact with like you're robbing yourself of like the richness of those experiences. Yeah. You know, and I think something that that's come out of the, the addiction world and the 12 step based world, you know, is this idea of one day at a time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like they've gotten it right. I, I mean, I, I love the 12 steps and, and the, you know, the creation of the 12 steps, Bill W. And I, I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I, I think the 12 steps are some of the most amazing tools for, for addicts and non addicts. And, mm. and, and what I mean by that is I think they're just wonderful life principles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely amazing life principles. And 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 this concept of either whether it's a serenity prayer or whether it's this concept of one day at a time. But, you know, I think one day at a time works because it puts us in the present mm-hmm. and it puts us connected to self. And if we're trying to predict our, you know, sobriety or, or we're trying to control our sobriety a year from now or six months from now or even a week from now, you know, I think we're falling into these places that we don't want to be. We're falling into these highly arousing, maybe anxious producing, fear-based type of responses. And when we do that, the brain has a very difficult time being in the present. It, you know, all of a sudden it goes into this other, you know, kind of survival-based, you know, kind of process. And and that's not where we always want to be. So, you know, again, one day at a time, it's, it's an amazing principle for everybody. Yeah. You know, for, for everybody. Absolutely. So what um, what else do we want to talk about in regards to mindfulness and presence and, and meditation and yoga? What, 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 are, what are we missing? 
We're well, missing well, we're anything? probably missing just truck so much. loads. So much. <laughs> so much. I mean, but we can only speak to our experiences and, and, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a significantly, hugely growing field. Mm-hmm. And I actually think, you know, with regards to, to, you know, the work that I do or the, the field that I'm in, mental health, um, and, and psychotherapy, I personally f- feel like, um, with everything that we're learning with regards to neuroscience, and I think everything that we're learning with body-based and and neuro-based processes and experiences that that I see this continuing to ulti- ultimately become something that just continues to grow and grow and grow and grow in its significance with treatment and the you know and and the I think more tools I think with greater effectiveness in the treatment of of mental health conditions you know specifically things around. You know, again, trauma, addiction, um, you know, problems with dysregulation, you know, people who are or tend to be very dysregulated. And, you know, and again, you know, whether we're looking at hyper aroused type of experiences or even hypo aroused and, and really creating this mind body connection you know, a holistic type of, of a treatment approach. I just see that continuing to grow and grow and grow. And, and I think as, you know, my industry is, as well as other industries, grab hold of this, learn and, and continue to, to make this, you know, um, a further, you know, thing for research and possibly treatment that, you know, that'll spill out into the general public, you know, I think in many other ways, continuing to make this, I think, a um, practical and, and maybe even very understandable concept that I think people will be able to introduce into their lives. Um, so I love it and I'm super excited about it. One of the, there's a cool word, it's called interoception. And it's this idea about being able to sit with ourselves. Mm, and, yeah. and I love that, you know, and, and I just, if, if I think of that as a practice for people, um, it's such a wonderful mental health based practice. So... Are, there's yeah, there's probably truckloads more that, that you know. Neither, no, I think neither that's of us good. Even know, but I think it's such a wonderful conversation for us to have. I'm so thankful that you had Jordana on for that episode because I think there's so much just wonderful material here for us to learn. And and I just think there's so much more to learn. I think we're in infancy, oh, yeah. infancy of really understanding you know where this is going. I know now I, I was doing some research and I saw on the internet that there's trauma based like trauma sensitivity based yoga that's um in practice and and i think there's even some certifications for people who are going to work with with trauma based people um there's somatic experiencing uh psychotherapy practice there's equine therapy and and all these are are kind of around this this idea of, of mindfulness neurofeedback there's neurofeedback which is gaining a lot of interest and have you heard of um Mindfulness-based relapse prevention. I haven't. I haven't heard anything or much about that, but um, at least the words sound. Yeah, I was. I was doing some research earlier. It's on psychiatry.org. Okay. Uh, mindfulness-based relapse prevention, or MBRP, was designed to treat substance use disorder. It integrates mindfulness, meditation, and see uh, cognitive behavior skills, mm. specifically focused on helping patients learn to choose a reaction instead of automatically turning to an addictive substance. I love it. It involves eight weekly two-hour group training sessions. Yeah. Yeah. So it just... Yeah. Well, it's even... That sounds somewhat similar to dialectical behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, allowing people to kind of choose a response, like mm. be aware of how they're feeling or thinking and choose a response. Um, again, very, very, very useful for people who tend to be very dysregulated emotionally. So someone who might be prone to substance abuse use uh, to, you know, kind of, 
regulate from a, a you know, a um, unhealthy uh, substance-based way. So, yeah. So, I mean, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. And it sounds very much in line with, with again, what we're learning a lot within the addiction world as well. Because, yeah. you know, these are, these are a, a group of people who tend to be very dysregulated, who tend to have poor coping um, and tend to have also had at times trauma-based backgrounds. And so something that they can do to reconnect with themselves and and choose different choices, right? Healthier choices, different behaviors um, before they impulsively act and choose something that ultimately won't be healthy for them. So, yeah. so I love this. I mean, this is such great stuff and, and I'm so excited about my journey of learning and I'm excited that we get to talk about it and and uh, our journey together our journey together as well absolutely so so listeners uh some key takeaways one day at a time yeah uh breathing uh deep breaths as as you listen to in episode 10 we had a three deep breath session that helps me a lot i used to write breathe on my hand for years so breathing one day at a time connection working on that connecting to ourselves trying to forget about past and present and, and, and know that those things we don't have control over. So relinquish that control and uh, be kind to yourself. Absolutely. Kindness and compassion, yeah. you know, and, and even one other thought as you were talking about that, because I think you said you're using this, is the Calm app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so many great apps out there now uh-huh. for, for breathing and for centering, if you will, calming. Um, so, you know, yeah, there's even some great apps I think people can look up. So, Yeah, there was one, um, I'll mention it again. There was one mentioned, uh, the Stop, Breathe, Think app. Yeah. Headspace is one. And then um, I had mentioned it in episode 10, but, you know, having like, um, creating like specific playlists for yeah. your meditation practice. Metallica. Or, <laughs> yeah, right. Metallica, Slayer. Slayer, you know, yeah, Godsmack. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stuff like that. So those are those are good. Those are some good tips. Um, I think that about does it. Uh, do you yeah, feel good? I feel like we've yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Well, thanks for joining me, Tony. Hey, always always a pleasure. I appreciate Who was it. it. Was it Jess that said the tone and known show? <laughs> the or, tone and known. Someone said known it. Known and tone. The known and tone. Did you see how I did that? I put tone first. This is technically your wow. Show. You see that, did you, guys? Did you see that? It's a mutiny, right? We have a mutiny on our it's hands. It's a takeover. <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyways, I thank you guys for listening. Um, please go out and subscribe and rate and review in iTunes if you haven't done that. And uh, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash empathy. I have some new stickers you can get. You can be a guest on the show, all sorts of goodness. So uh, thanks again for listening. Thank you to Tony. Yeah, thank you. Always a pleasure. And as always, I'm here. You're here. We're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring pale blue dot. We have each other. It's you, me, empathy. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh.